Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. It's hard enough being a mom and the last thing you need is stress from too much stuff in an overcrowded schedule. For too long, I lived with the mindset that bigger was better and the more that I added to my life, instead of feeling better, I felt overwhelmed. It was time for a radical new mindset. Less is more. I'm not into extremes. I didn't throw everything away. My brand of minimalism is more about adding than subtracting. Get rid of the excess to make room for what you love. In other words, it's about living life with purpose. I hope you'll listen in and my guests and myself can inspire you to think more and do with less. Finding calm and chaos is a skill set we have to learn. Constant chaos in our lives leads to stress and overwhelm and typically everyone around us suffers too. I'm so excited about today's interview with Jenna Hermans, the author of Chaos to Calm, Five Ways Busy Parents Can Break Free from Overwhelm. She's an expert on helping parents move away from chaos and into calmness so that we can all create intentional lives that allow each member of the family to thrive. In this conversation, we talk about the five pillars of calm, the importance of communication, especially with our spouses, how Jenna has calmed her chaos, and so much more. I just want to say before this interview gets started, I am currently sitting outside. The birds are chirping. My new puppy is underneath the deck that I'm sitting on. But all is well because the kids are being entertained and at least I have somewhere quiet-ish to record. So with that, let's get into this conversation with Jenna. Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you for having me, Diane. I'm so honored to be here. (laughs) I'm excited to talk with you. Today, we're going to talk about breaking free from overwhelm and the overwhelm we feel as mothers and as women in general. So I can't wait to pick your brain a little bit more on that. But why don't we go ahead? I'll have you introduce yourself and then we'll get into the interview. So I'm Jenna Hermans. I'm the co-founder of Be Courageous and author of Say Courage to Calm, but it's Chaos to Calm. (laughs) I talk about courage a lot. Courage and calm are are, uh, two words that are frequent in my vocabulary in my day-to-day. So Be Courageous is a transformation agency. We work with organizations infusing courage into their culture and their leadership, um, preparing every person for their moments of courage within an organization. And then Calm comes into play as a supplement to courage to support, again, the executives as well as the culture of the organization, um, to be able to own their calm and role model, being able to take care of themselves, to be able to show up most effectively and efficiently for their families, for their colleagues, for their employees, for their community. What prompted you to write this book? I know in your email, you said that you have four kids. I'm assuming that four kids in general just adds chaos. I have three over here. So yeah, I mean, any add one kid and you've got chaos. And then the more kids, the more chaos, right? Yeah. Yeah, So I have four children. Three are my children in love. They're 16, 14, and 13. And then my husband and I made a child together who's six now. And the chaos really began for me when I became a mom, basically overnight. Having met my husband, he had three kids when we met and then deciding, okay, we're going to, you know, double down on this relationship, get married. We moved from Los Angeles to San Francisco with no built-in support system or community here. And then a few months of like a year later, we had a baby and then started a business six months after that. And it was 
like identity whiplash and the chaos of transitioning from being single and having, you know, my path ahead of me and no kids. I only had my cat and me and that was easy peasy to having so much responsibility and so many new factors without any support system around us was like living inside of a tornado. That's what it felt like. And my nervous system was the same. It really felt like a light breeze would come and my whole body would go into a huge state of overwhelm. I started having panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And after one of the very last panic attacks I had, I realized, you know, I have so many tools in my toolbox of how I can make this life that I've chosen, right? Because I chose like you to have three children. And then I chose to have a fourth. I can make this life run so much more smoothly and that I can show up and be my best self for them, for my husband, for our business and our colleagues. And, but namely for me that I can enjoy my life, but how do I do that? Right. And that's, so I started utilizing tools that I had used before I was married on how I built that infrastructure for myself with habits and different efficiencies and that I had done for me. And then I'd run a preschool for five plus years before I got married. And so I pulled from my experience of having run a preschool and being like, wait, those things that worked there can totally work here in my home as well. And I also have a master's degree in organizational management. So I understand managing a business and any mother knows a home life is very much like running a small business, right? It's like a nonprofit business that you're running with employees who are always trying to fly the coop. And then lastly, I have an, a psychology degree as well. So I'm like, wait, I have so much experience and so much education to be able to make this life be so much more calm and a life that I want to live versus one that I'm just surviving. And the things that I started implementing in my life and the different building blocks that I laid out for myself to step up on and be able to get calmer and calmer and get rid of that overwhelm are the basis for the book. We have to manage and run our households well. And I've definitely seen for people I know that don't have these systems in place or as you talk about in your book, are efficient with their time. And if they're thinking two steps ahead, that's really important to do. I think that this is the time of year where we have been in these habits or we've structured our life in such a way. And then a lot of us find ourselves with kids around and it's hard to manage. It's hard to transition into this new season for the summer when the kids are home a lot more. And I think there is a lot more chaos. So I think this is a perfect conversation to have as we are navigating these big emotions and these feelings that are valid, but maybe we don't handle them as well as we should, which I'm raising my hand. That's probably me. So I can't wait to hear more from you. Again, your book is Chaos to Calm. So you talk about five ways busy parents can break free from overwhelm. So why don't we just go through the five and what is the first one? Okay. The first chapter of the book, which is the first pillar of calm is efficiency. How do we take care of the things that we have to do more efficiently? So we have more space, time, and energy for the things that we want to do. Yes, absolutely. I think this is hard. If you're structuring your life in a certain way throughout the school year, and it does start to look different, it's like, okay, how can I maintain this efficiency while still not lacking in my responsibilities as a good mom? And so I don't know, what does that look like for you? How are you efficient as a mom? So there's certain things that I make sure that I do in certain ways. And then there's also built-in flexibility. Like meal planning is something that I'm always going to do, whether it's summer or we're in school or, you know, we're maybe even on a vacation somewhere. Like, let's just understand what our meals are. If we need to purchase any foods, 
get the meal plans ready and take care of that. So that no matter what of what's going on is an important factor of something that we do every single week. And then there's flexibility around like, how are we navigating laundry? How are we navigating dishes? How are we navigating... Like during the school year, I have my outfits I pick out the night before because I know what's happening the next day. If I know I'm going into the city or if I'm having a Zoom call, you know, dressy on top and sweats on the bottom, whatever it is. And then over summer where it's not necessarily having my uniform that I'm wearing every day because I'm also not doing drop off and then needing to go to whatever's next after that. But to understand it's like, oh, we're lounging around the house more. So there's flexibility in just my wardrobe as well. So there's so many different elements of efficiency and the flexibility within that for these various times and transitions through our motherhood years. Well, and I also think that we have to give ourselves the freedom to say, maybe we're not going to be as efficient as we are in other times of the year when things might look a little bit different. So that's okay, too. At least I give myself that permission to just remind myself it's for speaking specifically to summer that it's going to look a little bit different right now. So what is the second topic in your book, second chapter in your book? So the second chapter and second pillar of calm is habits. And so how do you create healthy habits that support your calm and get rid of habits that don't serve you? And that is what the entire chapter is about, is just about building habits and getting rid of bad ones. What bad habits did you have that you felt like you had to get rid of in order to have this highly functioning family? So one was building habits. So I had to build the habits of being able to protect sleep, connecting with nature and with people, taking care of my body and my vessel with exercise and eating well and hydrating, getting rid of the habits of the afternoon snack that was not serving my body, (laughs) the chocolate and the cookies at 2 p.m. every single day to replace that with something that was better for me and that actually served me on multiple levels, efficiency back in there. Instead of keeping those goodies at my desk, I would get up and leave and walk. And so not only was I not taking in, you know, empty calories and things that would actually reduce my energy even more, but I would gain energy by moving my body. And then the creative problem solving that comes with the blood flow back to the brain and getting, you know, different visualization for just leaving that one spot, right? You're getting different stimuli. So, and then another thing that I had to break was the social media doom scrolling, just sitting there, the kids are in bed and then just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and realize that doesn't serve, right? It was just a waste of time. And what I was seeking in that moment was that I was looking for connection, realizing I was looking for connection and or looking just to escape my reality. And there are different ways to be able to connect and to escape that are in a healthy, productive way that'll help my calm versus put me into another state or more state of overwhelm and perpetuating that negative mindset that comes with feeling overwhelmed and feeling resentful and angry and jealous or whatever it is, right? Which social media has a great you know, they do a great job at making people feel all those things. Yeah. I mean, you said doom scrolling, which I can relate to during COVID. And and it was a way to connect with people, whether or not you were sending someone something on social media, or it was a point of connection that you could make. But it, it was wasted time. It was wasted energy. It's not 
a positive thing to do. And I think in general, even now, I want to connect with people in ways that are positive. I don't want to throw people under the bus or I don't need to connect with people through, obviously, we all gossip to a point, but if that's your main point and how you connect with one another or something comes to mind when you're in a dialogue with someone and sorry, I know this is tangenting kind of from what you were talking about, but I think it's important to say, but if that point of connection is, oh, she just said something that reminds me of something that's really negative that I can throw in my experience and I can throw my two cents in. I've tried to really catch myself and say, that's not a point of connection I want to make. I don't need to be in this realm of dwelling and negativity. And I want to uplift the conversation where it's going and also just be there for myself in that way. This is a total tangent. It has nothing to do, but I found that that's been really helpful. I guess it kind of correlates to, like I said, the doom scrolling and how we connect with one another. But Yeah. And I think the self-awareness of knowing why am I opening that app? What am I going there to do? And then the self-reflection afterwards of like, did that make me feel good? Or what did I come out of that with? Do I feel like I'm just more polarized in the direction of that negative headspace or that I'm feeling even more disconnected because I'm just angry and mad and, you know, versus using social media as a tool, as something that can benefit your life. Like there's a difference between using it to connect with like-minded people or to get information or to disseminate, share, collaborate. There's so many beautiful positives, but for what purpose are you using it? And then building the habit around if it's a benefit, then let's support that. And if it's not a good habit, then How do you make sure that you're using it in an appropriate way or replacing it with something else? Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, what is the third pillar? So the third pillar is community. Having the right type of people around you that you intentionally choose to be a part of your life that helps support your calm versus take away from it. And I talk about this a lot now with the whole epidemic of isolation, depression that came up just about a month or so ago of that this is real, that people are depressed and feeling isolated because of generally there's a lack of connection with other human beings in a positive way, an intentional way that you are connecting. You feel like you belong. You feel like you're a part of something, that you're something bigger than just yourself, which was completely perpetuated by the pandemic, of course. But community is something that is incredibly important when it comes to talking about calm. Yeah, absolutely. Which that was a perfect correlation there with what we were talking about, just that point of connection with one another. And again, it does refresh your soul, even if you have those friends that meet you and the really tough moments, like making that point of connection on that there's depth there in those relationships, that is rejuvenating. And that's what I want. And that is actual community to be had. It's not these superficial relationships where we're just talking about the weather. I don't know, not to say like my friends all need to help me, but I hope that we cultivated some type of depth there. So absolutely. And I think with friendships, you know, I talk about in the book also about the concept of the yin and yang within a relationship and within friendships that there's times where I'm going to need more and I'm going to lean on my friends to help support me more than in other times. And then they're going to need my help and support more in other times. And so it's not like it's a 50-50, it's a balance of give and take, but rather it's this yin and yang of flow of I need more, can you give it to me? And you need more, let me give that to you. And the friendships of knowing that like, if you both know when you have that depth and breath with each other, that you can flow throughout that yin and yang so much more smoothly. 
Yes, absolutely. I feel like I do drift toward those relationships where we're not exactly the same, but we're the same in just the right amounts and portions that we have a good balance. But I don't necessarily think that's universal. I just think that's a cool thing that sometimes happens. What is your fourth pillar? So the fourth pillar is communication. How do we say what we need in a way that is heard so that we can get the support that we want. And communication isn't also just about what we say, but also how we listen and how we build trust through communication and how we can build relationships through communication as well that all foster our well-being and our calm and our groundedness. So I want to talk about communication. And one thing that you mentioned to me prior to this recording was that your husband travels quite a bit. So obviously you and him managing this family, you have to have healthy communication there with the two of you. So I guess I would say, how does he support you with all of this? And maybe if we need to have a conversation with our spouse, what does that maybe look like? If we're feeling like our spouse doesn't support us in this chaos that we might be experiencing, do you have any advice? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that one, you need to carve out the time to have that uncomfortable conversation, right? Because that's the reason why you're in this predicament in the first place, right? Of feeling like you're the one doing everything is because you're not being courageous to go and have this challenging conversation. And the way to approach it is in a way that it's not like you're already overwhelmed, you're mad, you're angry, you're resentful that they're not, you know, helping out or being supportive, but rather in a time when things are calm, in a moment that you're in a good place, you're feeling settled and saying, hey, love, partner, whomever, whatever you call your person, their name, I have something really important that I would like to talk to you about. And when would be a good time that we could sit down and talk about this? I think we're going to need X amount of time. Maybe we can get a babysitter or parents can come over or whatever. Make sure the kids are not there and that you can sit down and say, I have a really courageous ask of you. And here's where it's coming from and keeping it to here's what's happening for me and why I'm asking for your support and where you could help me and our family more. And that's where I would just begin is like that. Having both you and your spouse supporting one another is one of the best ways that you can support a healthy family dynamic. And I mean, I've said this before, but my husband and I try to balance each other with allowing each other to go out to meet friends, whatever it looks like that we enjoy doing, just giving each other that space so that we can, if there's chaos at the end of the week, hey, I know you need a break go be with friends or, hey, I've got a babysitter. And so I think that that is so important. And kind of that yin yang that you were talking about of balance. It's going to be harder when you have little kids. But in seasons when we haven't prioritized that as much, you can definitely tell it takes a toll. The chaos of family life and little kids will take a toll. Yeah. And it also fosters better trust and communication between just the two of you. So not only is there less chaos with the kids and in the household, but rather your relationship is getting nurtured and that you're building new bonds with each other by being able to have these types of conversations and being able to say, here's what I need. Here's what you need. Here's how we can support each other. Let's brainstorm, you know, creative ways to be able to support each other and have creative problem solving through this. And it just further nurtures your relationship. Yes, absolutely. All right. So what is the last pillar? So the last pillar is self-care. And it's how do you take care of the most important person in your life, which is you, because no one can do it for you. You have to be the one to take care of you. Absolutely. I'm curious. This was the question that I wanted to ask you, and I wasn't sure where to put it in the interview. But you have a quote, life will always be chaotic, but you can own your calm within the chaos. How do you own your calm? 
So I take care of some key fundamentals. I call them the brilliant basics. And I did touch on them earlier, but making sure that I'm taking care of myself with getting good sleep, right? I know this is the least sexy list you will ever hear, but it is fundamental and foundational for a reason. So getting good sleep, eating well, eating healthy, good, you know, nutritious food to take care of the vessel, making sure I'm hydrating, connection with nature, getting out, making sure I'm seeing green and breathing in fresh air every day, even if it's just for a few minutes, getting outside, closing my eyes, feeling the wind on my face and my feet on the ground. Another's connecting with other people outside of my home, feeling like I am universally connected to more than just what's in these four walls with these people who are here. The last one of the brilliant basics is exercise movement, right? Getting the body moving, moving those muscles and the blood, getting it all moving around. That is so important in building serotonin and dopamine and making sure that the vessel is taken care of. And so I know that if I at least have those brilliant basics done, everything else is going to be easier. Yeah. I feel like when I, I don't want to say when I've been out of shape because I've been pregnant and or nursing. This is like the longest stretch of time that I haven't been pregnant and or nursing. But when I haven't felt my best with my body, whether I'm not exercising as much or I'm not eating as healthy, that is an emotional, mental weight that can mess with your head. And I don't think people understand that until you kind of come out of it. And then you're like, oh, wow, that was this big elephant on my shoulders. And I didn't even realize it. And it's like, if we can take control of some of these things, I don't know, that is something we can try and take control of. And I say that in an encouraging manner because I know it's hard. I've literally been there and blowing out of those seasons as well. But I guess you choose your heart. That's something that we can try and take control of. So if you can, I encourage people to do that because then you can have your focus on things that actually really need your attention and not something as silly as, oh, I need to stay hydrated. I should probably eat some vegetables or I should probably move my body. Those things are hard, but would you rather deal with the inverse of that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that played out in real time for me about a year and a bit ago. One of my children had a massive health crisis and I got completely caught up in it. It just took over my entire life and I wasn't taking care of me. And I realized, you know, a little bit in, it's like, wow, I am so immersed into this that I'm not sleeping well. I'm not taking care of my body by sleeping, eating, drinking, all those things, right? Exercising. And it was obvious. It was so obvious, especially to those on the outside, but also to myself of just how I was going downhill and that I was suffering not as much as she was, but like, it is not fair to her and to my kids and to my partner and to my business for me to be suffering and to be putting myself through this place while my child is suffering. It's like, yes, emotionally, psychologically, I'm already there, but I need to take care of me to be able to show up for her, to be able to show up for my family and for our business and for my other kids. I needed to sleep and eat and drink and exercise so that I could have the energy to show up for her and her doctor's appointments and everything else that she had going on. And so it really came to light during that time. And that's exactly when I was editing my book, which was perfect timing that I was reminded, right? I had to go through with a fine tooth comb through every word of this book. And it reminded me, ah, you need to take your own advice. You need to take care of you so that you can show up for her and for everyone else. Otherwise, no one wins when I don't take care of me. Everyone suffers. 
Yeah, absolutely. And sleep, that really is one of the biggest ones for sure. I've mentioned Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep on Here Before. And I think he's done some podcasts too, if people want a condensed version of some of his research. But I'm so glad that people are studying sleep a lot more than they have in the past. And again, we're not talking necessarily about newborn season. We're talking about just in general, like the doom scrolling, they're staying up far too late for unnecessary reasons. And also, this is very interesting too, which I hate this fact because I do enjoy a bit of alcohol every now and then. But for every drink that you have, I can't actually remember the statistics, but alcohol will increase your heart rate so that when you go to sleep, you're not getting into your deep sleep because your body is working to metabolize that. And it's so interesting because I wear this aura ring now. And if I've had a glass of wine or a few gin and tonics, the next morning, it's like your heart rate was elevated. What happened last night? And it's like, oh my gosh, I drank alcohol. I can't believe this. So it's even things like that, that my husband and I are trying not to drink nearly as much anymore because we're like, this affects our sleep, which affects us in our day to day, which makes us more irritable. And I mean, we know that alcohol isn't the best for us, but I didn't think it would have that deficit on me. So it's silly little things like that, that once you learn, it's hard to like ignore those effects on your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jenna, this was excellent. But where can people learn more about you, hear more from you, grab a copy of your book? Thank you. So I'm online, jennahermans.com. I have a blog and a newsletter I send out twice a month. My book can be found anywhere books are sold online and in store. You can go to your local bookstore and ask for them to get it for you if they don't already have it on their shelves and Amazon Target, bookshop.org everywhere. So it Jenna Herman's chaos to calm, you Google it, it'll be there. Awesome. Well, as we wrap up this conversation, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? So one of my favorite resources is an app called Libby. That is one of my favorites because you can get from your local library, audiobooks, ebooks, etc. for free on your phone, on your tablet or whatever. And because I'm a huge avid reader and I love to listen to books because busy mom. So Libby is one of my favorite apps. And then in addition to that, there's an app called Healthy Minds and it really helps to cultivate thinking and to change the neurology in the mind so that you can work towards more calm. You can train your mind to think different, to be more positive, calm, so you can sleep better, so that you can have more positive thinking during the day, more mindfulness and presence. That's great. I'm definitely going to have to look into that. And I'll be sure to put that in the show notes for listeners. Well, um, the last question I have for you is, what is something that you can't stop talking about? Oh, I mean, I can't stop talking about my book. That's for sure. I'm loving what's coming up with the book and what people are connecting to and hearing people's thoughts and reactions to what they've been reading. And I've been thinking so much about how to have more calm experiences. So instead of doing like a book talk at a bookstore, which I've done a bunch of now, how to then go into a community and bring local moms all together, local female founders to showcase what they've made, whether it's a service or a product for all of us to come together and have an experience and to share so that we can all be uplifting each other together. I love that. Well, again, Jenna, thank you for coming on the show today. This was really helpful to me. So I hope it was helpful to listeners as well. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. This was such a joy. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. 
To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.